Welcome to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast, where your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak, help you go next level with your practice, leveraging the four pillars that make a practice bulletproof. Vision, building a dream team, marketing ninja, and financial freedom. Now, let's get into it. Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Peter Bolden. We have, of course, the the infamous Craig Spodak, and we are super excited. I've got a new friend on, um, the CEO of Forever Labs, and Stephen Klausnitzer. And Stephen, uh, for some of y'all who follow me on, on my personal social media, um, and who have followed me on some of like Mark Pastas, uh, Mark Pastas, Mark Costas podcast when he interviewed me about just some of the 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 crazy stuff that I'm into in terms of human longevity and stem cells and and he um, you know the health nucleus and all that stuff and following guys like Peter Diamandis and stuff like that. You will know if you know a little bit of my background that like I'm weirdly scientifically into into this stuff from a from a um, yeah just a science background. Stephen, obviously, this is a dental podcast, and so we're going to be speaking to to that in the context of where we're going. But a lot of dentists, obviously, are very, you know, we're very nerdy in the fact that we love science, we love technology, we love toys, we love gadgets, we love all this stuff. Um, and we're also cognizant that dentistry, I think, and Craig, maybe you can add to this, I think that dentistry uh, accelerates the aging process. Would you agree? Can you be more specific, Pete? Like you mean like how? I think the materials we use. The you know, well, now it's not so much in the air of mercury, but I think that I think that dentists are in in messed up ergonomic positions all day long. Oh God, yeah. I oh think the God, stress yeah. is episodic, and and you know we have these periods where it's like you're in war, and then you goes down, and it's not this like constant. You know, I guess everyone has stress, but we have stress on a whole lot of levels. You know, we're dealing in a mouth. It's, it's wet all the time. There's a tongue moving and our success and failure is predicated on one millimeter. Yeah. Micromillimeter actually. And then we have micro, right. But then we have people waiting in the waiting room, you know, it's just all running a business. So well, I, I feel like, think, I think a bigger macro on that is that we are physicians, you know, scientific people that spend four years in school learning all about how to treat patients, but not one minute of one of those years is dedicated to how to run a business and then instantly thrust into a business with HR and complexity. So I think it's psych psychologic stress um, is probably the bigger killer for us than the physical stress. Um, yeah. So I'm going to get it back into We haven't let, we haven't let, um, I want, I want Steve to jump in because I tried to intro <laughs> it. Best guest <laughs> Um, well, any, I'm just giving some context. And so I dug into this from a, I'm into a stem cell perspective. Like I said, going, looking at the technologies from a futures perspective and just the, the rapid acceleration in almost all aspects of technology from a computing aspect, you know, that we have, we have AI, we have, you know, the 3d printing of stuff. And, and as someone who wants to kind of exercise the option to bank my stem, I wanted to take this up. So I did a lot of due diligence and actually found Steven's company and really spent a lot of time talking to, to Christy who, who's on your team, Steven, about like, you know, the applications of this. And I actually did so much that my wife and I did it at the same time. So 
we actually, Greg, we actually um, vetted some of the providers, a lot of the plastic surgeons that actually can do the extraction process, um, and then flew up to Nashville recently and had it had a stem taken from the bone marrow of our I guess Ouch. It's post posterior posterior <laughs> like iliac crest kind of area. I don't know yeah. what that is exactly. Stephen, what's that? Yeah, yeah. So it's the PSIS, the posterior iliac crest. Oh, so you're yeah. correct. Um, it's essentially for people that uh, are listening that aren't in medicine, but it sounds like we have a, you know, a group of, uh, docs listening. So, but, um, and they're really smart. So you can, you can yeah. talk. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to then. So, um, yeah, your PSIS is essentially your hip, the back of your hip. And, you know, you can speak with authority now, you know, to the procedure and everything, but I will say yours was Stephen. I always speak with a little bit of authority. I'm just going to, if I don't know it, even, yeah. <laughs> even if you don't know it, <laughs> make it till um, you make it is one of my mottos. I, well, I will tell you, I will, and your listeners that uh, your procedure and your wives was easily the most interesting one I've ever been to in the sense that uh, <laughs> they insisted on being in the same room at the same time of the procedure. And that is a first. Like a couple's massage. <laughs> it was. It was actually kind of uh, kind of romantic, but uh, romantic. Yeah. <laughs> drill, drill a hole into my into my bony plate and then pull out the liquid. Awesome, romantic. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so and, and actually, Craig, it does. It, it it you know that sound, Craig. You said ouch, and actually, it wasn't. It's not that painful, obviously, as you know. Um, you know, in doing implants and stuff, you've done implants in your life, dental implants. You know that there's not a lot of nerves, obviously, in the bone. It's just the soft tissue kind of that surrounds it. Okay. Um, yeah. But anyway, Steven, sorry, we jumped right into that. Yeah. I, you know, welcome to the show. I really want to bring you back up because I was trying to give some context to just how, how you're on this podcast, how you and I know each other, and anyone who kind of is, is digging this, this technology and wants to kind of just hear about it. So, so why don't you give kind of the genesis as, as to why you started the company? I know you're co-founder with, um, and I forget the doctor's name, and he's like, I watched his um, TED Talk or YouTube or Google speech, and he's like three or four levels more intelligent than any human I've ever seen. Yeah. He's um, and why don't you give, yeah, the whole, why you sure. did, why you're, why you're on your mission. Yeah, absolutely. Happy to. So, uh, you mentioned, uh, my co-founder, Dr. Mark Katakowski, and you know, I've been fortunate to surround myself in life with, with smart people, way smarter than me. <clears throat> and he's one of them. And we started like eight years ago, we started something called hubski.com which is a social aggregator. It's like Reddit and Twitter if they had a really smart baby. It's a place people go talk about science, technology, et cetera. You guys should check it out. But um, Hubski.com, we were on a phone call about Hubski. And out of nowhere, Mark started telling me about how, uh, well, he's a medical physicist. He's been working with stem cells for like 17 years now, almost 18 probably, which in stem like in the years, that's, it's like since the beginning, basically, right? Uh, it's been like 50 years since we even knew what a stem cell was. When he started, there was zero clinical um, trials using these cells. Now there's over 700. So it gives you an idea of how long he's been working in the space and an idea of the explosion that's happened clinically uh, in the space. So anyways, we're on a phone call and Mark starts telling me about how he had applied for a grant to take stem cells from young mice and put them in genetically matched older mice because he was sure they would live longer. The reason he was sure is because he had been treating mice for very, uh, to treat various neuropathologies in animals like stroke, TBI, at Henry Ford Hospital in Detroit. And they started seeing that if they treated the mice with younger stem cells, because these are syngeneic mice, so they might as well be genetically matched. If you treat older mice with younger cells, they recovered much faster. So he became convinced that um, you, you could extend healthy lifespan just by infusing your younger, younger stem cells. So he applied for two grants. 
both of those grants got denied. And on this phone call with me, he's telling me about this. He's like, you know, uh, those grants got denied, but two other groups have since done the same study. And what they did is both these groups were looking at osteoporosis. They were trying to show that if you use young stem cells and reintroduce them to the animal when they were older, that the animal's bone density would increase. And both of those groups showed that. So bone density increased, but also serendipitously, both groups showed that the mice lived like 16% longer than the control group. And that was just one reintroduction of, of younger cells. So Mark's telling me this on the phone call and he's like, I'm not mad that I didn't get the grant and I'm not mad that someone else perhaps got credit for an idea I had first. He's like, I'm bummed out because I'm, I'm turning 40 years old and I can't find a company that will store my stem cells. He's been looking into it like you did, Peter, like he started looking into a way to do this and he couldn't find anyone that would do it. A lot of companies out there were already existing that would uh, treat you for things like, um, you know, musculoskeletal problems, but no one was just agnostically storing your young stem cells while you were healthy. And so we started reaching out to friends of ours in the medical community. And I have a friend um, that is an orthopedic surgeon. His name's Dr. Leith Farjo. He's now our chief medical officer. Um, but back then he was just a friend I was contacting about this. And he started telling me that Orthopedic surgeons, sports medicine doctors all across the country are using stem cells same day to treat things like knees, shoulders, hips, et cetera. And they're having great success with it. It's working, but he was like, no one's storing it. And he started telling me that clients are actually, or patients are actually asking him if they could store it. And he's saying, no, I, I don't think so. So we realized there was a market out there, but more importantly, we realized there was this entire network of physicians out there that already knew how to do bone marrow aspirations um, that we could tap to start doing, doing it for us. So we work with orthopedic surgeons, sports medicine doctors, plastic surgeons all across the country to perform bone marrow aspirations. And like you said, Peter, um, it really doesn't hurt. So Craig, your reaction is the natural reaction. <laughs> and that's my biggest hurdle as an entrepreneur is to combat that that happens when people hear the word bone marrow. So anyways, um, I got really interested after this conversation with Mark, we both did in um, trying to find a company that would do this for us. We couldn't find it. And so we started it. And I always say that forever labs was born out of our own midlife crisis. You know, we were turning 40 and we wanted to get these cells out of us. Um, and so now we are in, I think 14 markets, um, fast expanding where a, um, it, you know, you guys talk a lot about entrepreneurism, um, as you rightly should. And I can, trust me, I, I can commiserate with your stresses around running a business. And um, I don't have the uh, other unfortunate part of having to be in people's mouths with micrometers, but I am dealing with stem cells, which are, you know, um, this is not something to be taken lightly, just like dentistry is not something to be taken lightly. So I'm with you on the stresses. And I do think it does age us quicker. I will tell you that. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so, yeah. Um, we are now in, I think, 14 markets, and we're a Y Combinator company, which is um, a tech accelerator out of San Francisco. It's kind of like the most famous tech accelerator on the planet. I would, they always say it's harder to get into than Harvard. You know, 7,000 businesses apply every year. They let in 100. I didn't and know that. Actually, yeah, Y Combinator. Is, that's, awesome. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's really cool. We did that um, about a year, a year ago. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, happy I, to talk about any of that stuff. I'm gonna have to give yeah. you a, a story. So this happened just recently. Post. Uh, so Craig, Steve, Stephen actually came to our, our my procedure with Emily actually in Nashville. Just you know, because wanted to kind of, you know, Emily being a quasi celebrity or whatever, having big massive Instagram following. We really did a live documentation of it. Um, I had to tell you though, Stephen, I was at a men's dinner um, on Wednesday night, 
and it would and the topic of the dinner was it was a group of like eight or ten really successful guys and the topic of the of the dinner was adventure right and so men were going down this adventure thing well one of my buddies in the group knew that i had this done he's like dude you got to talk about this and so i went down the same kind of rabbit hole and started talking to these men and like you know all the other stories there people were mildly attentive to the other people telling their adventure stories when i got to this it was like full-blown like people were dead locked on like every word i was saying about like what and how and wait well, it's, it's the fountain of youth man the, the one thing we're all, it's literally well, the fountain of youth i will tell you guys like if i go to uh, uh, an event with my wife and it's um, or anywhere i go and people ask me what i do for a living and i tell them I start to feel guilty because I start to usurp the conversation. It's because what we are doing is universally relevant, right? Um, Who does not want to extend healthy lifespan? And I should get into that a little bit because I think, um, yeah, I have so many questions. I mean, I know we're, we're going over the business aspects of it, but yeah. Craig, jump into some of that. Cause I want to hear, cause you're going to be get, coming from the mindset of where all of our listeners are right now. So well, why don't we unpack some of your questions? Go. Yeah. Well, my first thing is, you know, you, you both made reference to like, oh, geez, I'm turning 40, 42. So yeah. I know there's 55 and 60 year old listeners right now. Like, oh shit, I missed the boat. Cause yeah. I'm, I'm hearing that. I'm also hearing that um, there was just one reintroduction to those lab rat or those mice yeah. at a 16%. So I imagine like there's people that want to like strip out as much stem cells as possible mm -hmm. and as soon as possible. So, uh, you know, so that, that's just the only thing I'm thinking of. Like what's, so your, those, what's your close date? When are your stem cells jacked? Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's, and that's really. <laughs> when are you screwed, Steven? Yeah. What are you, yeah. What's the biological? What's well, the biological? I mean, listen, if you live to 90 and you're, you're a listener right now and you're 65, you're still going to have a 60, you know, 15 or 20 year old uh, a hedge on your stem cells. So. Well, so, so Craig, that's actually really astute of you to say that. So um, most people. Number one, it's the first question always. What's the best age to do this? It's always the first question I get. And I always answer it the same way. And it's not to be you know, evasive of the question, but I always say, when's the best time to plant a tree? Yeah, today. And the answer is 20 years ago or today. <laughs> the same is true with your stem cells. Mm -hmm. um, around the age of uh, your late 20s, uh, early 30s, you start to have a decline in the number and function of your cells. Um, this decline uh, is highly variable based on the individual. Genetics plays a huge role in it. Uh, but also how you care for yourself, obviously. Um, but the, the decline is pretty slow, but accelerates with age. So the older you get, the faster the decline occurs. You can think of sort of an inverse exponential. It goes down like that. Um, so you want to get these things out of your body as soon as possible. Um, we've had clients as old as 70 years old bank. In fact, Mark, my co-founder, Dr. Katakowski, his mother was 70 years old when she banked her cells. And to your point, Craig, her 70-year-old cells are going to be better than her 90-year-old cells. And they, she comes from a long-lived family. So her mother, I think, lived into her late 90s. And so the idea is um, her 70-year-old cells are still going to be better than her 90-year-old cells. And why does that matter is the question. So another thing you ask is like the number of cells. So we, we store enough to where you have um, uh, probably each aliquot, we have eight aliquots. So right now, Peter has eight aliquots of his stem cells set aside. And each one of those aliquots, he's got tens of thousands of stem cells in there. What's uh, that more than enough. aliquot, like allocation? Uh, aliquot. So it's like a, like a lab, a scientific lab, uh, chemistry lab kind of thing. It's basically, I want to start using that word. And just I, I use it all the time. <laughs> nomenclature. It's like, like nomenclature. People look at you like, what? Yeah. What's up, nerd? How many oysters you want? You know, just an aliquot of them. <laughs> <laughs> <at> a restaurant. <laughs> 
what size aliquot is this of oysters? Uh, right, right. I'm going to use it. You'll see. We'll use well, it. So in, in, one of these, in one of these aliquots, um, there are no oysters, but he has tens of thousands of his stem cells in there. And uh, it's more, more than enough to be colony forming and to grow millions and millions, hundreds of millions of stem cells. So, okay, so um, wait, so you're, you're colony forming, you, so you're going to multiply these in the lab? Yeah, so the idea is that wow. in the future, in the future, oh, Peter's got, yeah, Peter's got eight opportunities in the future to grow these cells. And um, people, another question people always ask, do you grow them right now and then store them? And the answer is no, we don't. So he's got eight aliquots of uh, really mononuclear cells from bone marrow. So it's not just mesenchymal stem cells, which oh. are the cells everyone's really excited about. He's got access now to all of the mononuclear cells from his bone marrow. So we remove the red blood cells in a centrifuge and we store all the mononuclear cells. So he's got access to his younger hematopoietic stem cells, his endothelial progenitor cells, his uh, various stromal cells, uh, but he's also got his mesenchymal stem cells. Yeah, so the pluripotential cells that could be grown to other things, correct? Yeah, so they're, they're multipotent. I would say there are some pluripotent stem cells in there, but um, the MSCs that we store mesenchymal stem cells are multipotent. They can become any part of the mesenchyme. Um, bone, uh, uh, connective tissue, um, support his immune system. But what we're finding, and I don't want to go, well, I guess we're talking to a bunch of scientists, so I can do this. You are. So you are. What, we're, what we are finding, which is uh, really interesting, is that it's not necessarily the mesenchymal stem cells themselves, uh, per se, that is, uh, that is having the, the largest healing effect when reintroduced state for musculoskeletal problems. Um, what these cells do is they give off uh, soluble factors. Um, called extracellular vesicles. So in fact, MSCs give off about 4% of their weight daily in these extracellular vesicles that go out into the body and they recruit other cells to areas of injury. So you can think of a mesenchymal stem cell as sort of like um, coordinating the healing effort in the body. Uh, like little doctors, right? They go out in the body and recruit other areas to sites of injury and start, start repairing, uh, growing healthy tissue, endog uh, endogenous tissue. Um, so what's really, really fascinating though is that these cells have been um, reintroduced both locally and IV to treat things like, let's use stroke as an example. There's um, uh, a guy in, uh, at Stanford, his name is Gary Steinberg. He's introducing uh, mesenchymal stem cells into stroke patients, right into the infarct area uh, of the stroke patient in their brain. And he's having great results. People that had hemiparalysis, like six months after a stroke. Oh, that's makes, makes total sense though, makes total sense. Those growth factors and all that. Yeah. You know, it makes total sense that they recruit check, that. Check this out though, Craig. So also uh, there are groups that are reintroducing MSCs after a stroke, uh, IV. So it's just um, not locally. But yeah, just, globally, yeah, throughout the body. And they're having uh, equally as good results. So these cells have the ability to uh, find areas of injury. So they actually hone to areas of injury and inflammation in the body and start coordinating the healing effort. So what wow. we're really interested in is wow. like we can take Peter, Peter, how old are you? 42. So we can take 42 year old Peter cells and let's say he's 52 years old. The idea is we'll grow these cells and reintroduce them IV on a schedule for the rest of his life so that he doesn't get a stroke. So he doesn't, you know, potentially have osteoporosis. Wow. Um, Obviously, so health maintenance. This is why we started the company. So we are doing the work right now at Forever Labs uh, to lay the preclinical groundwork for the first ever clinical trial. Stephen, let me interject something to make sure people yeah. know. And they're cry and they're cryoly, uh, they're frozen, meaning that, that yeah, yeah. I'm older than my still cells are currently. Right now, yeah, you already are. So yeah. 
Um, so yeah. I'll always have access to 42 year old uh, uh, STEM. Is that? It? And I just yes. want to make sure because that's that's the process of banking. Like you don't. That's why the best time is today versus or 20 years ago kind of thing. And I just want to make sure everyone's clear on that because. Right. And please use Thanks. the code Bulletproof for this as well. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> no, actually, we. No, we do. I do have a code we because have, we did a. Um, yeah. Emily oh, awesome. and I did that. Did a social media thing. It's just bolden on this one, but That's it awesome. does give you. If you decide in to do fact, it, it like, you, and, and we'll have some stuff you can sign up for, like some uh, at the end of the call. Craig, thanks for uh, uh, stealing the thunder there, pal. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, I wanted. To, I just wanted to inter interject this comment. Um, I don't know if you know this, Pete, but Tony Robbins is a big stem cell um, fan. He actually goes to a clinic down in Panama, but I don't believe they're storing his cells. I'll find out. Stephen, uh, Craig is Tony's dentist. Oh, cool. But he's oh. A bit, so he had massive shoulder pain and couldn't move, and he's really debilitated by it. And he's just, the stem cells just completely addressed it. But I know he's going out of the country. Yeah, Panama is a big place for. But for I don't know therapy. if he's storing it, though. I don't know if he's. Well, I'll tell you what. I want to find out. I'll find out for you. You find out, let him know. I'd be happy to do it. <laughs> he, um, no, I mean, I owe that guy. I actually think highly of Tony, and I've watched a number of his videos. So he's going to help. Yeah. Like He's a blessing to humanity. That guy. So I cut you off and I, you were going down the path. I just wanted to make sure. Um, and, and, and the other thing, sorry, the other thing I want to point out is that you're yeah. one thing that I was confused about in the, my process was, well, man, I guess I'll go extract some and then I'll have a little bit that I can kind of introduce here. And yeah, it'd be better than nothing. But like when you told me like you're growing more cells outside your founder's body than inside the founder's mm -hmm. body right now, I was like, wait a second. Yeah, that's there's, a no-brainer. There's colony-forming units, essentially, or colony-forming stuff that's happening. So I, I guess there's, there's a, you know, quote-unquote unlimited, uh, for all intents yeah, and purposes in our lifespan, unlimited amounts once you, once you harvest. Mm -hmm. There's okay. almost unlimited. So okay. you have more than enough, uh, you should, for the rest of your life to draw upon. Um, there's a number, there's a thing called the Hayfleck limit. I always say it's like back when we were younger, we're all old enough to remember this. We used to make mixtapes. Mix and you would make a copy of a copy of a tape and the quality of the tape would degrade over time. Same thing is true with your cells. So you oh, keep God. copies of these things and the, um, the, the errors that they are, are naturally carrying start to replicate and get worse. Um, but you have an almost unlimited amount of, of your cells. And by the time you were to exhaust uh, the store that you have with Forever Labs, it's very likely that some other technology is gonna come along that would um, perhaps fix the make mix, them move. Fix the mixtape problem of-, of yeah. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. But you're going to want to have these. I think of it as like a bridge to future technologies. But um, to get back to the point of growing them, people always ask, you know, why don't you just grow them now and store them for us? Because we're really, as a company, we're really good at growing them. I don't, there's probably no one out there better. Um, but it's really cool. They're being grown specific to the application. So I'll go back to Stroke. There's a group in uh, Korea that is, uh, South Korea, that is taking these cells. Um, growing them in the stroke patient's own serum, and it primes them for their application. So it's these cells know that they're supposed to go treat a stroke when they enter the body because they were grown in that stroke serum. It's really amazing. Wow. So that um, the uh, we don't want to grow them now and then have you ten years from now, Peter, need them for a very specific application and then realize we didn't grow them uh, specific to that application. So that's one reason. The other reason is um, the ability to grow these cells is getting better. Like every single year. Now they're growing them in like 3D matrices and uh, they grow faster and with a, a higher fidelity than, or, or with higher integrity than they used to. So 
we store them underground in just the amount of nuclear cells so you can very specifically call upon them in the future. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Finally, the Bulletproof Practice Book is out on Amazon. Craig and I have distilled down our experiences in dentistry over the past 20 years in our true-to-form, unfiltered fashion that y'all have come to expect from our podcast. We talk about our victories and our bruises, and it's 132 pages of vision, leadership, marketing, and even just life as a dentist, and it's meant to entertain you. So we hope you'll support us and grab a copy on Amazon today. Thanks, friends. Can you just touch upon, because I know it's widely, people people have a, a general understanding of the word like cord blood, because most of our listeners have had re- kids recently, you know, sure. our demographic. So, so we're all curse, have a cursory familiarity with that. What's the difference, if you don't mind, between cord blood banking? Someone else's. Can I answer this, Stephen? Because I actually, I want to answer a little bit of it, Craig, because I actually sure. went down this journey. I spent a lot of money banking my kids' blood and tissue, and I said, well, shit, it's got to be mine, you know, genetically compatible. Right. Well, no, it's not even that. Just, just point out what's the difference in cord blood and what that would be used for for the child versus what you just did. Uh, okay. For yeah. you, if you well, don't. So, the um, let's say Peter uh, had the ability to bank his own cord blood when he was born. Uh, the reality is he would not need forever labs. So the stem cell population in core blood and bone marrow is actually remarkably, remarkably similar. You've got uh, mesenchymal stem cells, hematopoietic stem cells in there. So if any of you banked your children's core blood, number one, I would say, well done. And number two, uh, the child does not need to ever have forever lapse, right? They've got their cells set aside. Um, what's really interesting, I get the question a lot from people because a lot of people have banked their core blood of their kids. I did. Um, and people always ask me, well, can I just use theirs? And, uh, you know, I think Peter was going to address that. Um, you know, you can use donor cells to uh, treat things like uh, inflammation, and they have really, they can really help. Uh, but if you want to regrow healthy tissue, you need your own cells. Um, the immune system, when, even if it's someone that is a family member, tends to wipe away those cells. So you've heard of people having a blood cancer and having a bone marrow donation. Um, you know, even when someone is an HLA match, a family member that is an HLA match, there's like a 50% rejection rate. It's really high. Wow. Uh, yeah. And so it's often the case that it's graft-first host that will uh, kill that person and not the cancer. Um, so you really want to have your own cells. To that point, people that are in, remiss, uh, in remission from blood cancers, they're now storing their remissive bone marrow to treat them later. Um, for that reason. So oh, because there's some learned, uh, there's some learning that's occurred for the, st- the cells themselves, right? Is that what you're saying? There's- I'm just saying they need their own. So okay. you have your own cells. I mean, unless you find an HLA match and it takes, which is unfortunately not always the case and often not. So you want to have your own cells to regrow healthy tissue or else the body wipes it away and never gets a chance to engraft and start and start doing that. Um, so that's one thing. As far as um, having uh, access to cord blood though, um, yeah, those, those kids never have to. Oh, here's the other thing. People always ask this too. So cord blood's been around for 15 years. How come we don't see people using you know, those stem cells, et cetera? They've been used to treat blood cancers and that's about it so far. And my response is always, you know, how many 15 year olds do you know that have cardiovascular disease or stroke or Alzheimer's? or osteoporosis, it's very rare. And that's what these cells are being used for. So um, I don't think we've made this point well enough, or I haven't. Uh, there are over 700 
clinical trials right now using mesenchymal stem cells to treat age-related diseases. Cardiovascular disease is in phase three. So it's about to be standard of care. Stroke, phase three. That's the number one and the number three killer of our species. So it's pretty important stuff. But what they're finding is that uh, there are people that are, uh, for obvious reasons, trying to participate in these trials. They've had a heart attack. They want to treat their heart. Um, and they go to plate their bone marrow and they don't have enough of them, uh, these cells, and they won't grow. And the reason is, is they're too old. Had they done what Peter did, they wouldn't have this problem. Um, so, I mean, it's, it's sort of a no-brainer, I think. Um, yeah, the way I just, because the guys were asking, like, well, what, why are you doing this? Like at the dinner, even just the other night, when I had kind of like a, an audience, and I said, look, to me, I just looked at it like, you know, I pay a lot in insurance every year, right? Health insurance, life insurance, malpractice, like just insurance, insurance. I was like, this is a a cheap, a cheap process to just well, you know, value I, proposition. I could be wrong yeah. or I could be a genius and I'm unhappy that my seven-year-old could say, God, what a genius you were when you were 40. Or I could look back and say, oh, that was a waste of time and money. Like who knows, right? Like I don't know. But I told them, I said, look, I couldn't afford, knowing what I know and knowing what I tracked, I couldn't afford, I didn't have the luxury of not doing it because of all the time and effort and stuff I had kind of gone down that path, you know. Um, and can, I had, can and we I, talk? Can we talk candidly about what type of investment this is? Just so yeah, that I mean, uh, yeah, I'm yeah, thinking, is it a hundred grand a year? I mean, is it is it a pro, is it a because I mean, obviously there, I could see the future of this being covered by medical insurance, or this this should be covered by it because to 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 repair disease is the most costly thing our healthcare system can do, Absolutely. and and it, and the efficacy of of arresting disease is terrible in fact our our hospital system kills people you know i mean people go in it's fine sick medical. care not well care right well the number the, the number three cause of death in america is medical errors we have a higher infant mortality rate than costa rica does and people are born on you know and and other third and second world countries people are born on straw mats and you're, you're put in the NICU here and over treated and things happen and things start to unwind so obviously I think the future is that this will be covered by medical insurance it's, it's a more cost-effective way for them to um, make more money and that's what they're interested in but for the people until that time comes what can you t just let's talk candidly about what that could be because I have no idea what yeah this sure so um First of all, I agree with both of you 100%. Right now, we, pr we don't practice health maintenance at all. We wait till someone gets sick, and then we try to roll, roll them back to homeostasis instead of preventing them from getting sick. And we believe strongly as a company that um, we are moving from a disease treatment society to a health maintenance society. It's happening. With or without Forever Labs, that is going to happen. There's going to be, in the next 20 years, a dramatic shift as we start leveraging things like uh, stem cell treatments, certainly, but also CRISPR technology, gene editing technology. I mean, we're going there. It's, it's actually been predicted to be about 12 years from now, Stephen. It's called the the longevity escape velocity, mm. right? And that's where... Uh, oh, man. Yes. yes. The same. We won't go down that rabbit hole. But essentially, Craig, what it means is in 12 years, if you have the time and money, you, you might be able to extend your life. For every one year healthy lifespan you have left, you'll be able to extend another whole year. So. Yeah, awesome. So, we can, I, want to, I just want to touch on some. So go, go over the cost because I don't want to escape. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then let me rewind back because I want to make what you just said. It's a health maintenance aside. I want to touch, uh, I'm bring, I want to bring that to dentistry just for one second after you're done. So go ahead. Sure. So the cost, very straightforward. Um, it's $2,500 for the procedure and then $250 a year on the anniversary date uh, for right. storage. Very, this is very like, I literally thought this yeah. was like 50 grand. 
a year. No, no, no. And then this piece, like, I got to make a decision. I'm like, we always say like, we came, we come from middle-class backgrounds, right? My, um, uh, all of us on the founding team and we wanted our families to be able to afford it. Uh, I got asked by, uh, on an NPR interview once, like, do you, are you worried you're creating an elite class of citizenry that can afford things that others can't? Um, and at that point we were considering like a $10,000 price point and we, uh, we decided, uh, we decided to go a different route. So it's $2,500, $250 a year for storage. Um, some people opt to, for the, we call it the lifetime plan, which is $7,000 up front, and they never have to pay that $250 a year. I think it's you like- I hope you did the lifetime plan. I did not. Oh, wow. You, have, you can always opt for it in your first two years. You only have to live 28 years and it all, uh, or 20 years and it kind of comes out. It's actually, it's actually 18. It's actually uh, because 18. of the no uh, down payment, right? Well, yes. I mean, so, yeah. Okay. Got it. Got it. Got it. So it's uh seven thousand. No, it's minus twenty five hundred divided by two hundred fifty. Right. Right. Got it. Got it. Oh yeah. Come on, bro. So is it, is it <laughs> over not, here? do I have to get a new co-host here? What's the deal? <laughs> With what? I'm just kidding. You got to do the lifetime plan. Um. All right. I'm in. I'm in. Um. So. Yeah. That's yeah. the cost. It's pretty, I think it's pretty accessible. I mean, we've tried to make it as accessible as possible. Um, the doctors that we work with hail from Harvard, Stanford, Duke, Michigan. Um, uh, you saw Dr. Nick Siva King in Nashville, who I think is a rock star. He, uh, he's a Stanford trained physician. Um, we've been very conscientious in who we will and will not work with. So you have no bad choices with forever lives. So if I understand like you, you subcontract out these doctors in their regional in their own regional offices, facilities or whatever, and then yeah. you give them the kit and then they send it out. So you have all these access points you can pull from everywhere. Correct. That, that is absolutely correct. Yeah. So they draw two 60 CC syringes of whole bone marrow, put it in a, a shipper kit that we provide. We have a courier service that comes and picks it up and overnights it to us in Ann Arbor, Michigan. We process the cells there and send it to our biorepository, stored in liquid nitrogen, rendered biologically inert. And yeah, so Peter's going to- And dentists, just so you know, dentists, just so you know, we're working on a, a one weekend course where you could actually draw blood <laughs> on your patients. And you can That's make, not a bad idea, bro. You can make $50 per patient. Maybe uh, we should do that. Dentist, dentist, it's just funny because Pete and I was talking about dentists going further than they should. So uh, that's a total joke. I just wanted to make that. Yeah, right. I don't know if you can see this, but here Emily is holding her uh, her two sixty cc's of. Oh, she was awesome, man. She did such a good job. She's a she's a boss. I I was a whiny baby. Yeah. She was like, "This is I've given birth to children. This is nothing." Yeah, she's like, "This is nothing." <laughs> she's like, "I live with Peter every day. This yeah, is right? nothing. I'll take a bone marrow." So hey, uh, Craig, you had something you had mentioned you uh, escape velocity as it relates to dentistry. Well, it wasn't escape philosophy. It was just like, you know, when you think about our, our medical system, our, our, if, you, if any three of us went to a medical doctor um, right now, they would ask us, what's our complaint? What's our chief complaint? I remember going to, a, going to a cardiologist before I ran a half marathon. He's like, what are you doing here? I'm like, well, I just want to see what condition I'm in. He's like, listen, I've got a waiting, waiting room full of sick people. If you're fine, then I don't really need to treat you. So it just it pointed out that the medical system's focusing on getting people unsick. So it's not about optimizing health. Whereas dentistry, people are showing up to us to proactively maintain or increase their health. So dentistry falls in a different model. And I think it's a good idea 
to recognize that people are showing up to our offices on the expectation that they want to keep their teeth a lifetime. So it's incumbent upon the dentist to not only look for what's wrong, meaning what's going to get you in trouble in three to five or seven months, but what's going to get you in trouble in five or 10 or 15 years. And I think the successful dentists have a really good way of articulating that to their patients. Like you're, uh, I'm sorry, I'm going to lose you here for a second, Stephen, but like when you have malocclusion or if you have wear, of course, it's not a problem now, but if you're 35 or 40 and you're expecting to double your number, you know, the years on the planet, it's going to get in trouble for you later. So I think that healthcare is moving towards what dentistry is, where people are expecting just to show up to maintain. No one is doing prophylactic preventative medicine like the way that the dental patients yeah. are. That's interesting, man. I've never thought of it that way. You guys are practicing health maintenance. You are. For sure. That's, for sure. That's awesome. And, you know, and you know, I want to go back to something about that. I was the one who actually talked about the escape velocity um, because Craig, we're looking at it from a, from an aspect of being able to fix, but I like the longevity aspect because, you know, I dig my life. I don't want to be around for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> Contrary to what Craig just said about me uh, not getting the lifetime plan. Um, <laughs> but if I encourage listeners, if you're, if you're hearing this and you want to kind of dive deep, there's, um, Peter Diamandis talks about this a lot, not in the context of extracting stem cells, but, and then Aubrey de Grey talks about this and, and he ha he's a little bit more out there um, in terms of his, his uh, prognostications about what's going to happen. But he literally has said famously, and I have got this quote, said famously um, that about 10 years ago that the first person that's going to live to a thousand is already alive today. Yeah. Aubrey's great. I mean, I, I, I think he's, I mean, he's great, but like, that's, that's a, that's a, that you can't even comprehend that. Yeah. Right. Like the person that it could be a that like one of our Craig, your children, you know, our children potentially could extend life perpetuity given the Remember, I told you about that Moore's law, Moore's law applies to not just, not just, you know, quantum, I mean, computing, but it applies to all aspects of accelerating technology. Yeah. But in the, in the interim, before that um, proposition becomes viable for the average person to NPR's point, we will create this elite race. And I'm not worried when I think about extending life forever, I'm not worried about cancer. I'm worried about humanity as we all should. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I agree with you. That's a good point. It's, it's likely to be uh, political or socioeconomic things that will yeah, it's a, it's a scary future than just like everybody living in America. I mean, the planet can only hold so many people. And if you spun the globe at random right now, put your finger where it lands, the average human being on this planet doesn't even have running water in their house. So when you're talking about, you know, us living longer and the people in Bangladesh dying at, you know, 55 of, you know, cholera or whatever, it's, it's a scary proposition. I know we're going down a, another, another so topic, but real quick for anyone that's listening and is, is really interested in learning more about like um, ending aging. There's a book by Aubrey de Grey called ending aging. And he literally talks about the, the scientific precepts that need to be accomplished before we can get to that escape velocity, right? Mitochondrial repair and stem cell, uh, uh, treatments, things like that are all in there. Mm -hmm. uh, it's a great book. Uh, he, you know, does look like a mad wizard when you look at his huge he beard. Like Merlin, Merlin. Uh, he does. And, and, but he's a brilliant, he's a brilliant scientist and uh -huh. uh, that should not be, uh, that should not, his beard should not take away the fact that he, yeah, it's a hipster beard. It's cool. Yeah. No, um, he, he looks like the guy who makes my coffee this morning. Yeah. Right. Like a barista so, slash. God. He's got a lot of videos too. He's got a TED talk. Yeah, there's uh, tons of stuff out there. Like, I, so, no I wanted to bring this to our audience because, like I said, I think that we're all scientists. We were kind of scientists before we were dentists. You know, a lot of us went and pre the pre med, pre dental aspect. And so, 
this resonates with us and I think it's a cool thing. So I wanted to bring, it'll probably only be the, the only dental podcast you'll probably ever do, Stephen. I'm just going <laughs> to throw it out there. But uh, I wanted to bring the awareness because like I said, every audience that I've been around has been captivated, you know, and I didn't give the explanation that you did, but it's been captivated with the story and the tech and the holy cow, I didn't know this existed. So I wanted to bring it to our audience at scale so they could kind of hear about it. And there, there is, if, if someone wants to, we're going to have some links. If you want to kind of find more, there's going to be a, uh, Steven, maybe you can talk about like the drawing or not the drawing. Yeah. So this is really cool. So, um, we're giving away one free procedure. So normally $7,000, it's lifetime. So it's not like, Hey, you have the procedure and then we're going to charge you annually lifetime. So there'll be never an out of pocket expense for one of your listeners. So if they, I'm sure you'll have the link below. Isn't that, rowdy, Craig? Isn't that awesome? Uh, That's really um, cool, man. That's so generous. Thank that you. That is generous. Yeah, yeah Craig, you, uh, you don't get, you don't apply. Sorry, man. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm, you're, too you're, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm actually entering into the contest. <laughs> yeah, That's like a hundred times. <laughs> so if like you go, times. it would be, the URL is go.foreverlabs.com forward slash giveaway forward slash bolden. We'll put that in the show notes. Cool. Yeah. Craig, since you're not a customer yeah, yet. <laughs> yeah. He's Could like, I get that. Yeah, so, no. so we're doing that. Um, and uh, it does, we're in like 14 markets. So chances are we have a doctor very close to you. So go there and do it. Um, and uh, yeah, hopefully we can all live healthier longer. That's our mission as a company. I, one last thing. I'll share some inside baseball with you. Okay. This is pretty cool. So we are running a study right now. It's preclinical study so that we can bring a, a trial to market in humans. We're taking cells from young mice, putting them in genetically matched older mice. Um, and we have a control group uh, and we have a group that's just getting old stem cells. So this would be like a 65 year old Peter getting 35 year old Peter's stem cells, right? Um, I got to tell you so far, the group that is getting the young to old is way, I mean, way outperforming the control group. So um, this is working. And there are going to be people in the future that either have this resource or don't. Mm. So I highly recommend go to foreverlabs.com, sign up, uh, because you're going to want to have this. Uh, you know, to Peter's point earlier, when you're 70, I don't think you're going to look back and like regret having an irreproducible biological asset. So thanks for having me, guys. I Man, thank you. That was no, that, awesome. you blew me away. And and uh, again, and I, I loved having you on it. And again, um, I love actually just watching. Craig's facial expressions and some of this, like what the kind of blew your mind a little bit there. Oh my God, man. I know. Cause you're into a whole bunch of, we had a guy in the podcast that was like, literally, I mean, I don't want to discredit him, but he was like in front of like this infrared lamp. And I'm like, and it, there's a certain thing that you can go, you can go so far down the biohacking pathway that it interrupts your life and you're stressed about it. You're at a restaurant and then you're eating a steak and all of a sudden you find that it's not grass fed and you want to like run to the bathroom to go, you know, regurgitate it. You're freaking out. That's stress causes so much, but this is literally just pull it, do this one time yeah. and then go about your life. So it's not yes. this, it's a, it's a peace of mind. And I wonder, I mean, I know you'll probably study this, but having access to something like that, to know you have this magic pill, if you ever need it, creates such a sense of well being and, and comfort that that actually can probably perpetuate your life a little bit as well. Just That's to know that you have, to have that backup plan is something cool. I, I want to touch on that too, Craig, real quick, because um, I was remember how I mentioned on the Mark Costas podcast, he interviewed me on when I went through the health nucleus physical. And back then I was so into it, you know, but I, I had this premonition that something was wrong with my body. And I said, you know, what, I'm just going to have my entire genome mapped and all this stuff done. 
And so back then mapping your genome was, it was super expensive. Um, so, you know, I really just wanted to kind of, this was kind of the next stage, like you're, like you're talking about, Craig, this is kind of the next stage of like, it's just the no brainer, the no brainer, you know, finding out and, and, and preserving your health when you have the opportunity. Very cool. Um, because, Oh, that's where I was going. It was because they predicted in this health nucleus, they said, look, you're good now, but you're definitely going to have a heart attack. And we don't know when, but it's probably about this time. And this wasn't from genomic genomic stuff, but that was my weak point. So like they, no matter what I do, I was just biologically set. You know, sometimes people, we have genetic markers that just indicate that this is going to be your Achilles heel as you age, well, right? And Peter, it's like familial history of heart disease. Like, could I you do. substantiate that? And I have some, sure. you know, some APOB and some markers, some genetic markers that are indicating like, this is 100% what you're going to have at some point. And so it's fine. Like I, I don't, I don't, I didn't shy away from that data. I actually liked it. I welcomed it, you know, because like Steven talked about, there's going to be some things coming online with the CRISPR Cas9 stuff that could potentially be, you know, fix that in my genetic code, but also just knowledge is power and, or, or knowledge with execution is power. And so just, you know, if I know it's coming and this is definitely an application, Steven, for down the way, like why not really dive deep into this, this, this potential? No issue. one likes to think about this. No one likes to think about this, but I know how both of you guys are going to die statistically. Same with me. The three of us are statistically going to die from what is called an age related disease, right? Probably cardiovascular disease or heart attack, probably stroke or Alzheimer's. Like you live long enough, you're going to get one of those three things. And what you have done and what your wife has done is you've set yourself up for the best possible therapeutic applications for those things. That's the insurance plan, right? Like, mm -hmm. but what you've also done is you set yourself up to potentially stave off those things with a health maintenance approach, right? So it's a no brainer, man. I mean, it really, really is. And once you've heard this and once you know that this exists and you don't do it, um, I mean, you're just kind of an idiot. I just got to ask yeah. one more question while I have you here. What's the morbidity associated with the draw? So, I mean, per, yeah. it's literally like an advanced blood draw, man. I mean, it's uh, the same thing, the same sort of uh, uh, dangers that would occur with a blood draw, like infection at the point of entry. Um, maybe, I think it's like one in, I don't know the stat off the top of my head, but I want to say like one in every 20,000 people will get an infection. But it's it's very it similar to like three three to five days, Craig. I mean, I was like a little tender back there, but like literally, I put a we put a band aid on it and I walked out. Like yeah, that's awesome. That, that cool. was it. Awesome. That was it's the, really simple. The entire post op care was a band aid. I didn't take an Advil. Not even. You're, a, you're, you're tough. You're tough as hell, man. No, I'm not actually. I'm actually quite. I don't do with pain very well, but believe it or not. But um, but it was really easy, and and the post op was nothing. So anyway. Steven, I know you got to go, pal. And yeah, cool. thank you thank so you. much. We're, we're super fortunate to have you on and, and nothing but the best for your company. You guys have a great mission that is, um, yeah, that I can stand behind. And so thank you for coming thank on. Thank you. Thank yeah, you both. Take care. You. All right. Take care. Bye, guys. Thanks for listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Please rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast source. Check out BulletproofDentalPractice.com for video interviews and text BULLETPROOF to 345-345 to stay connected to us for special announcements. Have a great day.